Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's always the right time to dress to impress. This season, step out in style with Indochino. They make high-quality custom-fitted suits, shirts, and casual wear, all at a surprisingly affordable price. Each Indochino piece is made to your unique measurements and specifications. Suits start from just $4.29. Dress to impress this season with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of $3.99 or more by using promo code IMPRESS at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com, promo code IMPRESS. Mr. Blue Room Weekly Show, we are live on YouTube. And as you can see, we've got four guests today, uh, Jake Mills, Sarah Halpin, and Dave Downey. We'll speak to a little bit more later. But I'm delighted to say, to start the show off today, also joining us is Dave Kelly, Chair of Fan Support and Food Banks. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. How are you doing? Uh, really good. Still uh, still coming down off cloud nine, I think. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, you were confirmed earlier this week as BBC Northwest's unsung sporting hero of, of the year. Um, how did you feel about that? Like I said, still, still absolutely buzzing. Um, to, to be honest with you, um, I, I, I think it was a massive honour um, to find out that we'd been nominated. So, first and foremost, a big thanks to uh, the good people at Radio City for nominating us. And um, I felt quite embarrassed when they rang us and said, um, but within the process of nominate, nominating you for the BBC, Sports personality, unsung sport Nero. Uh, found it very humbling to be honest with you, but I think it's, I think it's always nice when someone recognises uh, a, a job you're doing. Um, so yeah, I think I'm honoured to actually be nominated and then uh, to be set up by them dirty people from the BBC to talk about <laughs> the nomination. <laughs> and then uh, obviously for the uh, for the reporters to bend down and pick the trophy up and say, well, it's more than a nomination, you've actually won it. Uh, game was quite a, quite a shock. Wonderful stuff, mate. Uh, congratulations from everyone. And if anyone's got any questions for, for Dave, uh, do leave them in the comments and, and we'll get to them in that regard. But does it, does it, is it extra special, Dave, given what's going on this year, not only you know in the world, but in, in the city in particular, because 
we know that Liverpool's been very harshly hit by by the pandemic. We were the first major city to go into tier three, and it's been hard for a lot of people in the region. So for yourself to be recognised and for the organisation to be recognised in such a trying time, does that make it extra special? Well, uh, uh, absolutely. And I think the thing is that I don't particularly feel that it's me who's being recognised. Uh, we've always been about a collective. It's always been about all of us, not one of us. Uh, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, myself and Ian Byrne um, tend to get most of the the plaudits. Um, Band Support and Food Banks is about a collective. Um, it's not about a red or a blue, and it's not about uh, scousers. It, 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 it's about football fans. So I, I'd like to think uh, that uh, it's esteemed guests, and I feel as proud as I do. This is recognition. Uh, it's almost a celebration of scousers, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, and, and we, we should all be pleased. Um, band support and food banks would never work without the wonderful, magnificent volunteers we've got. And um, I, I'm currently shielding myself at the moment. Does that mean that the, that the group and the organisation actually grinds to a stop? No, not at all. The wonderful volunteers go out and about over and above the call of duty. So. I think it's more about that collaborative approach rather than that an individual. And finally for me, because I know that the other guys have got some, some questions to ask you as well, what have been the logistical challenges for you with that in mind? You said there you've had to isolate. I imagine there's other people involved in this who have had to, to isolate as well. How have you to managed to, to maintain that service and help so many people in the city, given what's going on? Well, I think given when we first started we we took a conscious decision that we were never ever gonna um collect money i don't see my strength and my force i sitting uh, in front of a big table with loads of receipts and invoices doing accounts i don't want to spend three or four days a week so we we'd always stay clear of, of, of money to be honest with you matt um and I think when you look at the enormity of what we'd actually done, we've gone from uh, standing outside the Winslow where the wheelie bin to an organisation. We don't, I, 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 I don't like boring people with, with facts and figures, um, but we did 233 consecutive games at Anfield and Goodison. We'd gone from collecting in a wheelie bin so when we went into the lockdown, we were collecting on average a ton, one ton of food, um, which is an amazing, uh, uh, an amazing amount when you start uh, 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 accounting for all of that. Football fans and the generosity of people in the city um, was, 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 was absolutely amazing. It blew our heads up. Believe it or not, 30% of all the food donated to the North Liverpool Food Bank was collected outside Anfield and Goodison. That's not down to me or our, our volunteers. That's down to the generosity of people of this city. Football community is an incredibly tight community, isn't it? And, and, and it's an incredible generous one as well. Uh, us doing what we're doing isn't particularly the vision that most people have of who and what football supporters are. So, so we've gone from a scenario 
uh, collecting food in the wheelie bins and we now use a seven and a half ton truck. Probably <laughs> tells you how far we have come in the five years. Dave, I just wanted to ask about, we see a lot of propaganda with food banks, particularly with you know the governments and, and other cities and the way politicians sort of shape it around their agenda. How does it compare to when you started? And I don't mean that in terms of the amount of what you collect now, which is incredible, but in terms of the demand for it, um, have, have you seen a real difference in, is it, I mean, is it worse now than when it was when you started? Have, well, what's uh, the sort of process been like with that? I, I, I think the thing on that, Dave, is... Um, 17th of October 2015, they're standing outside the Winslow. October 2017, 2020, it's almost as if it was written the stars. Everton played Liverpool. Now I know it was an incredibly proud moment uh, for all of our volunteers when both clubs came out with uh, the teams wearing um, support and food banks on the training gear. Care. What an accolade that is for a, yeah. for a group of supporters. See the teams warming up, wearing uh, your logo on, on their training kit. Um, and that was an amazing thing to happen, an absolute amazing thing to happen. Um, now, obviously, and I'm not sure, and I, 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 you're right in what you're saying, I'm not sure we, we would have been celebrating our fifth anniversary. And uh, if Boris Johnson's an avid watcher of, um, of the Blue Room, I hope he raises to the challenge because our, our, our question to him is quite simple. Closes down. We shouldn't be doing what we're doing. Yeah. But we're doing what we're doing because we, we were working class people, working class people stick together. To answer the question, uh, over the five-year period, the demands on the food bank had risen by 130% in that five-year period. If you look at a, at a smaller time scale, um, the demands on food banks have gone up by nearly 300% since we went into the lockdown. Now, one of the really interesting things, and, and, and most of us uh, will be aware that we've now got a, a mobile food pantry, which is approaching it from a, from a different point of view, to be honest. Um, and the idea behind that is, is, is food banks is about creating and it's a stick and plaster for a gaping wound. It's a stick and plaster for an emergency. The whole idea of a food bank is about three days emergency supply of food. The idea of the pantry is, is, is to try and challenge food insecurity head on. And... The Pansley signs up members, so we're currently in the process of signing up members uh, initially in West Derby, uh, and obviously once the lockdown ends next week, that'll be getting rolled out to other parts of the city. The Pansley is about signing up members, getting them to pay £3.50 a week, and in return, giving them £15 plus worth of food. And that isn't in, a, in an attempt to halt food insecurity. Um, but, but when you look at what's gone on since we went into the pandemic, the food bank uh, and the demographic of food bank users has changed beyond recognition. You've gone from a situation whereby most food bank users 
were, were, were probably causing a benefit trap or they were homeless and it was an emergency stuff. The reality of all that is now the demographic of people now in, 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 uh, in food insecurity. You, you're talking about people who probably worked all of their lives, have lived quite a comfortable life. They've got a mortgage. Many of them uh, have got a detached house who have either been furloughed and are only getting 80% of what they once earned. Um, and they're now struggling to pay the mortgage and they're having to skip meals to pay the mortgage to keep the bailiffs away from the door. So the idea about the pantry is about going into areas uh, which the official term is um, a food desert and that's predominantly areas that don't have supermarkets and wide uh, choices of green grocers. It's about taking food into an area uh, with fresh fruit and veg and meat, which is of a far higher nutritional value than what the normal fare is that a food bank. I think mo mo most of the critics of food banks would question uh, the quality uh, and the nourishment value of, of food given out. Um, and I I've actually accused people in the past of being food fascists when they're talking about the foods that food banks give out. Mm. Uh, food banks can only give out what it gets in. Yeah. Oh, so if, if we're going to Goodison or Anfield and collecting a ton of beans, unfortunately, we can only give a ton of beans out. So that's why we're trying to sign people up to become members to pay three three pound fifty a week. It's a non-profit uh, making exercise, and it's about meeting it head on and trying to meet it uh, and inc inc increase the value of the nourishment that that people are getting into them. When when you're talking about the demographic changing over the years, it must have posed like difficult dilemmas for you and everybody else that is in charge of distribution, simply because you could have somebody who's been homeless for several years compared to somebody who has got a mortgage and a family. And the reason why they're utilizing food banks is because they're basically on, on the, on their RSM because they've had to pay bills and things like that. Have you ever found like those ethical decisions to be really difficult in, in terms of who you prioritize in that? Um, we, we, we pride ourselves on prioritizing anyone who comes to the food bank mm. or to the pantry. If you turned up at our pantry on Friday and said that you didn't have that £3.50 to become a member, I'm 100% convinced that you would still leave with what you required to get you over that crisis. It's about, it, it's about doing it in a, in a humanitarian way, isn't it? It's about, yeah. uh, you often hear this, uh, the, the right-wing media will talk about people, well, why, why won't people go and get free food? Well, I'm telling you, it takes a pair to walk into a food bank and say, I can't cope, I haven't got food to feed yeah. me or my family. Uh, I, 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 I'm saying, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a, a little tale, uh, but, but probably epitomises what I've experienced and what my experience is. I was taking part in, um, in, in, in um, the paper club project where they go in the city centre feeding homeless people. And they go around with a little trolley with a bit of scout soup, whatever, 
couple of hot drinks, sandwiches, gloves, socks, you name it. And a girl come running up to us and she shouted the girl who was uh, 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 who was the team leader on, on, on the event and she had a big beaming smile on her face and she said she had this coat on. I, I, I can remember as if it was yesterday and it was two years ago and she rolled up, big beaming smile on her face and she was talking about, oh this coat you give me is wonderful, it's lovely and warm. I'm warm now when I'm sleeping in the shop doorway of a nice well, just, 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 just think about that. Yeah. And she unzipped the coat and she put her hand in the inside pocket and she pulled a £20 note out of her pocket. She said, when you give me the coat, I found this £20 on the inside pocket and went to hand the £20 back over. So Sarah said to her, that's not my twenty pounds. She said, "Well, it's not mine. It was in the coat you give me, so it must be yours." She said, "No, if it was in that coat, it's yours. Take it." And you know what she did? She gave the food back that she'd just been given, and got two other homeless people, and they went to the lobster spot and uh, uh, the lobster pot and spent the twenty pound in the chippy. Um, and, and that tells you, yeah, people aren't using and abusing. People are there out in need. People are there out of necessity. Um, and, and that's the stark reality of what we've experienced on a daily basis. You'd often get reporters will we'll ask you. Uh, the, the media tends to be obsessed with them. Um, they're always looking for this key, key worker from the NHS, preferably a nurse who's, who's used the food bank. And I, 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 I said to this reporter, I said, funny enough, I could take you to the exact person that you're asking me about now. Because we, we, we had a girl came in yesterday. I said, but I'm not going to, and I'll tell you for why. She's got a black eye, she's got a thick lip, and she's just left a violent domestic uh, relationship. She's actually had to flee her and the two children uh, who are now sofa-saving. They've got nowhere to live, live, and they've got no means to sustain themselves. And that's the reality. Anyone can end up in that predicament. Um, you know, them people sitting and sleeping in shop doorways, there's someone's sons or daughters or cousins. Uh, the reality of it is, uh, we're all probably only a couple of wage packets away from that actually being us. So until you've actually walked in their shoes, uh, I, I, I don't think you should be criticising. No. Absolutely, no. uh, Jake. As well, obviously, I mean, you're you're involved heavily with you know chasing the stigma and and the mental health side and, and help people in that regard as well. And I suppose more more than ever in this tough time, that it's organisations like yourself and and what Dave's doing that the people lean on on more than ever. Do, do you find that as well, mate? That people are just a little bit too proud sometimes to, to come forward and, and admit they need help. Yeah, and and, and that's. That is the a reality of, of the world that we're living in at the moment is that we're so worried about the repercussions and, and the the reaction of other people. Um, but I'm sure Dave will tell you as well that as soon as somebody does ask for help, um, the, the response that they get is usually the opposite of what they think it's going to be. And that's an open arms. That's a, you know, let, let's find a way through this. One thing I'd say to Dave is that I think everybody, all of us here, anyone watching and anybody, everybody in the country wishes, like what you said, that you weren't doing what you were doing. We all wish that you didn't have to do it. But thank God you are. 
because the fact that you do need to do it and that you are doing it speaks volumes. And uh, I think without kind of getting a little bit too um, romantic about uh, about Liverpool in particular, but I do think that there's something um, that we're seeing, particularly within the charitable sector, looking at mental health. Um, but kind of, again, like what Dave's doing is we get a lot of people now um, who are seeing the problem, are seeing the gap, are seeing the void. And instead of waiting and hoping somebody else can do something about it, they're doing it. Mm. They're doing it themselves. And particularly in this city, I think we are doers. And I think we've, we've in the past, we've, we've experienced how we have been left behind and how people are happy just to, to let us get on with it. And in many ways, we're victims of our own success. But we're people who understand the need of other people. We understand the need of the people in our communities, the people on our streets, the people who, who need the help the most. And I think because of that approach and because of people like Dave and all the volunteers and everyone involved, they know that if you do ask for help, you'll get it. And that's the biggest difference. Absolutely. Yeah, and Sarah, you're, you're rooted in, in the Goodison Park area, obviously frequent on match days, you know, Dave and his van and fans are putting food banks are very much a, a consistent part of that now, aren't they? And, you know, to echo what Jake said there, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need this, but it's fantastic that we've got it. Oh, it is. I, I mean, I walk past uh, the fan supporting food banks little sign uh, on Goodison almost every day, and it's it's a great thing to see. And you know, to to both Jake and to Dave as well, uh, with what you do in helping the people, not only of this city but far further than that. Anybody who needs help can come to you guys, and they can get help with with mental struggles they're having, with not being able to feed their families, and. Um, yeah, it's it's humbling to to sit here and listen to you. Actually, I've been totally engrossed mm. in what you're saying, and in a time that there is so much darkness, and although it's as we say, it's 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 a real tragedy that we're you know you're still having to do this. As as Jake said, thank God you do. You know, we're all so grateful uh, to you, and you know what what a great person you are. Your credit to to Everton to to the city, and uh, yeah we're so grateful to have you and I think you know I'll I'd love to sign up and, and be a volunteer and help in any way that I can and in times that are so hard to see and listen to you it, it warms my heart and it gives me so much because it shows there there is good out there you know and although it's it's Don't try to embarrass me now, Sarah. Oh, no, <laughs> honestly, you get me. You know me, Dave, I'm sentimental and I've had to hold the tear. You know, it, it's it's really humbling listening to you and, and to both you, both of you, you know, fantastic and so, so thoroughly deserved on your recognition from the BBC Northwest Awards for Unsung Sporting Hero, you know, top, top class. I think uh, I, I think the other important thing as well, Sarah, a lot of, uh, you'd be astonished about some of the heartbreaking stories that we hear people who are absolutely desperate asking us for food. Um, probably something that we need to get out there and make it clearer to people. Fans supporting food banks isn't a food bank. So to, to contact us asking us for food, it's something that we can't accommodate because where if you like, we're the conduits between the fans and the, the donors and mm -hmm. the food bank. So we don't actually have food. Uh, um, uh, uh, I think if you ask me, kids, they might uh, they might challenge me on that one because uh, <laughs> there's always something in the boot of the car because someone's just <laughs> me stuff. But the reality of it is, and, and, and this is where it does start getting complex, 
there's a reason why people need and use food banks. And the reality of all that is that when people are that desperate, I got contacted only last week by a girl who was sending me screenshots of um, of the documentation she just got out of the hospital. She'd just been discharged from hospital with COVID. So no matter what happened, she had to go home and she had to isolate and she couldn't go out. So the message went on to talk about her and her disabled son who were now having to self-isolate, had no access to food. Now that was at half 11 at night, really difficult to do something at half 11 at night. So first thing the following mornings, but I spoke to the girl. And when someone talks about the disabled son, you you think of a child, don't you? A disabled son's 28 years of age. They're stuck in a house with no no means of getting out. Now, they actually had money. So food bank users can come in all shapes, sizes and circumstances. So the reality of all that is, you went on to tell me that they hadn't had um, any dialogue, help or assistance of anybody for uh, six years. Wow. Now, 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 the reality of all that is, is that's not their fault, that's not my fault, that's not the city council's fault either. That's because politicians talk about ethical decision to cut funding to local authorities, everything's being cut to the bone. Um, I, 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 I'm a little bit older than most of you, so I can actually remember when there were safety nets in place to ensure that things like that didn't happen. The reality of all that is, it's not just the case of getting one of our volunteers to go around in the van and give them food. It's actually putting a support package in place. It's about directing them and getting them in touch with the relevant people as well. So this isn't just about food. It's about mental health. It's about health in general. It's about a thousand and one things. Now, the reality of all that is if we were just uh, making sure that people were fed, we'd still have a major problem because you'd be coming back to us the following week. Yeah. Looking to be fed. So it's all about feed the initial uh, problem. However, signpost people and get people all the help and assistance. And I've got to say, um, Liverpool City Council, Everton and Liverpool Football Clubs don't get the credit they deserve for what they actually do and the help and assistance and the support mechanisms that they've got in place to actually help people who are in a predicament like that. Yeah, I mean, I can only echo what Sarah said there, but I don't want to don't embarrass you too much. You know, you're not that type of person. Um, but I tell you something, mate, you're an absolute ambassador and the staff for our city. And like, thank heavens, you know, you're an actual lifesaver. I know people talk about the frontline NHS workers and people like that who rightly get all the credit, but the work you do, the work Rob does, Ian, everybody associated with what you guys have done and the challenges you must have faced over the years, what you've highlighted so far. Um, uh, it's just really humbling, to be honest, to be in, in, in your presence when you're talking about it, Dave. But just before you go, um, there's something slightly different I wanted to ask you that probably has passed you by today. And it's a certain anniversary um, of, uh, of, of our beloved football club. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's attempt to move to Kirby. And obviously that was something you were particularly involved in as well. So I was really, good. I was really glad when we get you on tonight to, 
yeah. sort of get your, your feelings about that sort of what, what are we 14 years on uh, no it's only 11 it might seem 11. like four, <laughs> four, 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 four years. Only, only 11 um, yeah to, 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 to be honest with you David something uh, that I'm immensely proud of yeah, I'm proud so. that I stood up and, and I was quite vocal and um, I remember certain people talking about uh, one man and a dog it wasn't one man and a dog. It was the side. It was. It might have been a vocal minority. I would suggest that it was probably a, 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 a silent majority, because I, I don't know many people who were in favour of the move up to Kirby. And I think what, what, one of the sad things about all of that, and I, I can remember sitting there with, with, with Bill and Keith prior to this kicking off, I'm, I'm basically saying, the fans don't want it. It, it, it's not fit for purpose. You will never, ever, ever manage to get that through the planning process. And that was the worrying thing, is if you could get a small group of fans who could actually say that they were attempting to ride a coach and horses through the planning legislation and that they wouldn't get away with it. And I know um, Keith Wynas passionately believed that if they could keep it out of a public inquiry, that it would be the, the saviour of Everton Football Club. Well, when you look at what they were proposing for Kirby, in comparison to what they're proposing um, for, for Bramley Moore, I can tell you which stadium I'd be far happier sitting in and watching the <laughs> football club. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I think the sentimental part of all of that, I would say, I would probably still be of the opinion that Goodison could be reconfigured and rebuilt to be a stadium that we're proud of. But I'm more than happy to get behind the brass band and the big banner and march down Speller Lane all the way to the Bramley Mordock and celebrate those playing in a stadium that I believe that's fit for purpose and that represents the wider fan base. Um, that, 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 that's a massive statement, uh, that new stadium. Uh, it was... Mm. Once again, at, at least attempting to live up to our motto, not but the best is good enough for Blues. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a, mate, yeah. a great on. way to finish, mate. And yeah, you are absolutely one of the best there. You're a great ambassador for the city and for the football club. Congratulations on, on that award again, mate. Thanks very yeah. much for coming on. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Wonderful yeah, stuff. Great to see you, mate. Do, do, do you know what's really ironic before you chase me? Coming <laughs> on a football programme. I'm not mentioning Everton at all about Everton. Well, there you go. But before we, before before you go, mate, what what did you think of Sunday? Um, no comments. <laughs> you, know, you know the problem. I, I, I hadn't missed the home game or an away game for 17 years, so we went into the lockdown. It's not my fault. I watching Everton on the telly. I've got to be honest with you. It's, um, it's probably like eating the Mars bar with the wrapper on, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's just a—it's it, it, an alien concept, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, I'd probably get more enjoyments out of listening to it on the radio than watching it on the telly. Man after me own heart, mate. Uh, but 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 I think I, I, I think what, what the, the lesson that's got to be learned there. Not just put by the football clubs, but put by the Premier League and the FA. Jock Steen said it, didn't he? Football without fans is nothing. Mm. They need to realise the value yeah. 
want to bring to them games and it, it enables them to sell an extremely uh, valuable global commodity to a worldwide market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave, really appreciate you coming on, mate. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much for your time and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. There he goes, Dave Dave Kelly, uh, Chair of Fan Support and Food Bank. So, what a fella, what an ambassador for, for the football club, you know. So you don't, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't feel worthy, mate. Do you? It's like when we get Jake on, share it. You talk about people who represent our city, and and obviously more pertinently for us on our show, represent our football club. Um, you you hear the stories, and you know Jake, Sarah, both of you will have stories. Make your toes curl. Um, if people sort of really understood what is beneath the surface, or when they read newspaper headlines and social media and things like that. Um, and and uh, what scares me about modern day things like that is the paraphernalia makes you makes you sort of take it at face value. So when somebody criticises it, you sort of take that as face value as well. Um, and when you think about the opposition, Jake, in, in terms of even funding what you do, in it, it's a constant battle and a constant fight. And I'm pretty sure you'd say to me, even though we've made some immense improvements in regards to mental health and, and how open people are about it, we've barely even scratched the surface yet and, and we're in 2020 now. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that at a time where it's probably, ironically, worse than ever as mm. well. Um, and it's the same, you know, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Dave, in that uh, there's people I know, there's people I know and like and respect who, because they watch certain programmes or the echo chamber of the social media or follow certain newspapers, don't actually believe that that food banks are needed. Yeah. yeah. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. And it's only when you hear Dave talking about those stories and other people who have who, you know, for more different kind of scenarios, talking about the actual real life reality of that, that actually breaks that down. And and for me, I know sometimes it's hard to hear, um, but it's important to hear uh the reality of it because that that's somebody who doesn't have an agenda. That's somebody who don't get. Dave's got agendas for other things. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's somebody who knows it. Who's telling actually, this is what I'm seeing. I'm witnessing, and here's the reality. And we need to hear that. And you know what? I think absolute credit where it's due as well to get Dave on this to talk about it because this is where the, we've got a captive audience here. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> and it's important to use and in my opinion anyway it's important to use different platforms where you wouldn't necessarily talk about those things to get those messages across yeah. to people yeah yeah we'll on, to do so. and if you want to get if you want to get involved in fan support and food bank in any way we'll put the link in the description on the podcast as well so you can find out more about that um if you just want to like, like I said, find out a bit more information about what dave and ian do at Goodison Park and Anfield and obviously we was all going back to stadium soon hopefully uh, it's, it's more permanent than ever what makes for a great vacation depends on who you ask are you looking to get away or bring everyone together do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate fortunately however you operate I'm the destination you've been looking for the name's Missouri but you can call me Mo and I have just one question What's your MO? 
To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Moving on to the football side of things, that, that's where we'll start really. Obviously, it was sort of confirmed this week that up to 4,000 spectators could be at Goodison Park for any game beyond December the 2nd. Jake's shaking his head already at this one. You're not having it, mate, now? I, honestly, I just, I just, I can't see one how it's feasible. I can't see how. I just don't see the rush. I don't see the rush for it. I just, I just, I just don't really understand it. I think it's going to be arguably more soulless than having nobody in there. I think, as I said, from a feasibility point of view, financially, I, I can't quite get my head around it having to pay for staff to be there for policing and stuff like that i just i, I just i just wait i like as a, as a season ticket holder i am more than happy for them to say nobody's going until next season or uh you know maybe a fa- if there's finals cup finals maybe we can we can make exceptions for then i i, I just i just rather just wait until next season i know we all yeah. want to see football again i do, i get that but I don't know about anybody else, but when I'm watching a, a match when nobody's there, I don't feel like I'm missing being there as much as if there was some people there. Like, that'll be worse. Yeah. That'll be a worse yeah. experience for me. You don't feel like you're missing out. All or nothing, isn't it? It's an all or nothing yeah. approach. Well, yeah. Sarah, you've, you've been in stadiums over the last few weeks, obviously with the work you've been doing for the club with, with the lads and the girls, been at Goodison, watching games, went to Wembley to watch the the girls in the FA Cup final as well, of course. What, what have you, I mean, obviously you're focusing on your, on your job and, you, and you, you're broadcasting and all that kind of thing as well, but what have you, what have you made of it being inside the, the empty stadiums and do you anticipate that having 4,000 people back would, would make that much of a difference? I'm with Jake on this one. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing us wait. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's nice in the sense that we're seeing progress and it's something, but as you said, I've, we're doing the Everton live stuff. We, we record in Goodison before the games. Usually I leave before the kickoff, but I stayed for the West Brom game. And it was a, it was a, a unique experience. Uh, I enjoyed the fact we won the game and I saw Hammers score and Calvert-Lewin get a hat-trick. But other than that, I felt guilty for 90 minutes. I did feel guilty. Like, how come I'm here and all the fans aren't? And also... It's just not the same. When, when the Blues score, it's like, where's, every, where's that little pause for a second? And then everyone goes, ah, and you <laughs> see the Gladys Street giving it limbs. And yeah, and with the, with the women as well, to see an FA Cup final at Wembley with nobody there was just, <laughs> Wembley is not a great venue with no fans. I'll tell you, it, it's just, you know, because it's nobody's home. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful place, obviously, but it's soulless. Um, and although I welcome the, the thought of fans coming back because it's a little bit normality, I'm sure it might make a little bit of a difference for the players and stuff. I'm not really entirely sure. For me, it'll be football will be back when there's 40,000 in there, you know, and, and we're all back there together. Um, it, it's just strange. It's, it's like, a weird, it'll be like watching a training session or something. I don't know. Um, and like, Jake, you know, I think we're, we're all season ticket holders here, but... I don't know if I'd be overjoyed at the thought of going at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I think that makes for sense. me, yeah, I think for, for me, if I got the opportunity to go, I probably would. But it yeah, wouldn't I, be like 
I feel like I have to add a disclaimer just to cover my own back. If, if I'm one of the 4,000, I'm going. Like, yeah. I don't know what he's there yeah. like that, and he's giving a picture yeah. back in my yeah. seat. We will see you at the, at the Chelsea game celebrating Dom's goal. And be like, oh, yeah. isn't that that Jake from the Blue Room? He said he didn't want to go. <laughs> I didn't even want a ticket. Yeah. I'm going, like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Oh, in fact, actually, before we get on to that, speaking of celebrating goals, Sarah, you got a lot of acclaim for your celebrations for... <laughs> For Izzy's goal in the derby, didn't you? You were losing the plot behind the goal. Oh, do you know what it was, mate? Shani, Shani did the, all, all the sort of graft, got the assist, and the ball just broke free, and it was like, is the keeper going to get there? Is Izzy going to get there? So I'm sort of jumping, going, go on, go on, go on. And then I saw it was going in, and it, it does make me laugh because... Uh, yeah, it was when I went on Twitter back afterwards and I saw a few uh, a few tweets saying, get on Sarah there behind the goal, giving it loads before it's even gone in. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to enjoy yourself, haven't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. What, what about you, Dave? Would you be up for giving it loads when Hammer scores and, you know, a 10-full goal from par? Well, I, you know, and, and I don't know exactly what Jake means in terms of having that view, but nonetheless, maybe feeling like you're a little bit of a hypocrite because you will go if you were drawn yeah. out of the ballot. Um, I completely understand that. I, I'm, I don't think I'd go. Um, I think there's, there's, there's two aspects to it, isn't it? There's a unique experience there. I mean, you're talking about like once in a lifetime, once in a few lifetimes, these things that we're experiencing now. I think we look in history, um, our kids, their grandkids, people like that, will look back on this and think, you know what? And like I do it now, you know, when you see record books of like FA Cup winners, league winners and things like that, and you see the gaps for the war years, there'll be a gap uh, for certain matches and certain events in our lifetime, which I think is quite astounding, really. And it's quite hard to get your head around. Um, in, in terms of going back to games, I'd just like to know what the, the research and data is behind why 4,000. Um, you're talking about 4,000 if you're in Tier 1, by the way, which I don't think Liverpool will be in. The city of Liverpool will be in. Um, two thousand, isn't it? For yeah. two thousand, yeah. I think that's that's the sort of ballpark here they're looking at with us going potentially back into tier two next week, which would be great for all sorts of reasons, not least the hospitality industry. But why? How, how does that work out in a stadium the size of Old Trafford or the stadium the size of Wembley? Four thousand is even more of a paltry sum than it is for us going to Goodison. So why is it not done on a percentage basis? I don't understand that because I know that the initial research and science behind it is to say that you need a certain amount of seats between your pool of people who you go with. Well, 4,000 at Old Trafford, you can obviously fit in a hell of a lot more than you can do with 4,000 at Goodison. So I don't, I don't understand that. Um, the other side of it is this COVID situation, as we've seen with the second spike, is not linear in the slightest. And when we're getting these sort of breaks from it at Christmas um, and we're getting the fans back in football, which is great, I think, for particularly lesser clubs who need the finances. And we'll, you know, I'm talking like non-league, lower league clubs who a couple of thousand, few hundred people make the entire difference between them existing and not. Completely understand that side of it. At the elite level in the, in, in the Premier League, I think it's very different. We live in a different world, I think, um, that is normally one of, of, of real wealth. So. I, I just feel it's like a really difficult thing to get my head around when we're still, we're not learning the lessons of what we should have from the first outbreak back in March. You know, everybody went to the eat out to help out thing and all that stuff. And that sort of general socialising and mixing resulted in a, in a spike that we've seen right now that we're still suffering the consequences from. So therefore, why would you not 
as a logical solution, do exactly what Jake said and be far more patient with this. And let's get the nail on the head. Let, let, you know, we'll put the cart before the horse here. Let's get everything in order so we know that even a worst-case scenario, fans going back to football matches won't result in us having to go into a Tier 3 lockdown anytime soon after that. Um, I, I think it's blatantly obvious that that's how this is managed. Now, you have to look at the time scale between when we get vaccines and the rollout with that, which is hopefully coming in the next few weeks to all the way up to spring, say. Um, surely then that the, that the policy should be, let's take it in sort of incremental stages. So if we're rolling out vaccines... To, is this, to is this not... People, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. Is this initial phase not part of that? The incremental process? I, I think is this, it is. Is this but I think, the, the, the first you know, steps down? I think it is, but I also feel as if that is is it enough to stave off the threat of an even further spike in COVID? That that's the balancing act here. It's always been a balancing act, and if I have any sympathy whatsoever with this government, it is that it, it, this seems to be an impossible answer. Um, in whatever way you see COVID, whether you think it's a massive hoax and we're all getting microchipped, or whether you think it's a genuine life-threatening disease, um, I feel as if we need to to the right research to the nth degree well look at the time we live in technology we've got at our disposal would it really be that difficult for scientists educated people to be able to say well x amount of people can go to goodison park and watch a game and the r rate won't go any higher than one and a few thousand more go to old trafford and it'd be exactly the same case why is that so difficult and um, i understand it's time it's money but you think of the amount of money that's already been wasted in how we tried to deal, how the government's tried to deal with COVID so far, the PPE fiasco, now looking at it towards the vaccines, is there going to be enough? How is it going to be rolled out? All of that stuff is setting us back. And I just really hate to be sat there, say, in March, April time, and we've been allowed to go back to games. It's slowly increased in terms of the numbers that are allowed back. And then, bang, we can't get a vaccine. Um, it's proven that it has side effects. It has to go back into into research and, and all that and we have to roll everything back and we go back into a restrictive state that's pe the great people like Dave Kelly are having to suffer um, and, and continue their hard work towards food banks like he said it, the best thing for him is to be closed down that's what he wants he doesn't want a job doing food banks we don't get that unless we nail this properly we've had two attempts at it now and failed uh, if we get the Vaccine, yeah, game changer. Yeah. But how would I? would be more than happy to wait, um, because at the end of the day, that it, it's a sort of it's a short term heartache, if you like, for a massively long term gain. Um, and I, if you told me that we have to wait until next season, August, to go and watch Everton at Goodison Park again. But it means that we, we can do last a few thousand come here or there, but there's still a risk of COVID coming back I, and biting us on the arse. Without getting too political, because we've got to talk about how Everton have got no subs in the, in the <laughs> uh, but, um, I I do feel like football's been politicised oh, in the way mm -hmm. that it's yeah. been almost thrown a bone to the working class people. Uh, and then exploited, yeah. Jay. Then it's been exploited. Absolutely, I think the first time around when they brought the when they brought the football back, I think it was a little bit of shut them up with the football, and I think it's happening again. I, I'm not 
not entirely sure. I fully believe that we will be back this season. Um, but I do feel like it has been politicised where they've gone, throw them a bone, shut them up a little bit. Uh, and use football and, and sport as a way of doing that. And I just, I just don't, I don't, um, and I want to get back to, to seeing Everton, but I completely agree with Everton that you've just said, Dave, in that let's just, let's just draw the line under the yep. season, uh, certainly for the Premier League teams, uh, and just go go back to it next season. Well, then you've, um, you know, we, we've played a, a derby at Goodison Park in front of no Everton fans. You could potentially rock up to Anfield in a few months' time and what, is it feasible that they could have half the stadium full by then? And we all know how difficult it is to go there if you know there was a dogging goal. Um, we, we, we struggle there at the best of times. Um, that, there's, there's an unfair balance there that needs to be struck. Um, obviously, money talks and money is everything in that game, in this game. Sadly, uh, it's one of the reasons why I dislike myself for being so passionate about the sport that I love um, is because money dictates it so much. How can you how can you equate that? How can you say it's been a fair season? And people in Merseyside Derby at Goodison Park in front of nobody and you could go to Anfield and, and play against who knows what the you know the, the, the rules will be then. But even if it's a few thousand people, that is a marked difference between nobody. So where's the integrity in this season, if that's the case? So yeah. I, I agree. I think when you start a season with those parameters in place, you have to finish it that way, surely. I, Otherwise, it, it, it's it's not a fair competition. I, I agree. And I would add that it's it's also not fair to then make Everton play at home with fans because that's going to be a massive disadvantage to the majority <laughs> of our yeah. players as well. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> Dubuque Family Eye Care knows your vision is important because with great vision comes great confidence. Dubuque Family Eye Care is a modern innovative clinic with doctors and staff who listen to their patients, are experienced in eye disease, and offer comprehensive services from eye exams, glasses and contacts to state-of-the-art treatment for dry eyes. Dubuque Family Eye Care has you covered. Schedule an appointment today. Oh, dear oh, uh, let's let's have a chat. Some of our players absolutely dreading fans coming back. Isn't it? Like some of them will be actually sweating at the prospect of playing in front of an audience. <laughs> uh, let's have a quick chat about the team then before we wrap up. Um, how we're ever to get a sorted defence, Sarah, for Saturday's game of Leeds? Because you know, all very positive going forward. Look great in that first half against Fulham, but big issues there, isn't there? Um, I, I don't really know what the, the manager does with this but I think what I'd say I'd like to see is for him to figure out what he thinks is the best solution and then to stick with it yeah definitely I mean ironically seeing Alex Dewobi play as right wing back was probably the best I've seen him play in an Everton shirt um, to be honest on on Sunday so he did well but again it's it's a formation with them three at the back it could catch you out against the wrong team. So I don't know whether we'll revert more back to a traditional kind of uh, back four if we can. But again, James Coleman's out, isn't he? I think um, is Mason Holgate also still ruled out. Uh, so we're likely to, we're still, we're pretty stretched, aren't we? We've got, um, does he bring in John Joe Kenny? Does he start Mina and Keane again? Luca Dean on the left. It, it's going to be a tough one because Leeds are, 
I mean, I watched them against Arsenal on the weekend and I don't know how they didn't get all three points. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. I mean, mm. they hit the woodwork three or four times in that second half. They just battered Arsenal from what I saw anyway. And, um, you know, they'll no doubt be raring to go because they did everything but put the ball in the back of the net uh, on, on, on the weekend. And they're going to be thinking, right, this is a must-win game for us now because I think after Everton, they may have Chelsea or they've got a bit of a tough run. So Leeds are going to, have no doubt, go at it. You know, Bielsa versus Carlo Ancelotti. Um, it'll be an interesting one. But yeah, I, I don't know how we'll set up at the back. But um, yeah, it was certainly an interesting one seeing Iwobi play there because he was, he was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he did pretty well, didn't he? Is that something you'd like to see able to stick with Jake going forward? Or do you think it's just a, a one-off thing you can use against Fulham, uh, but not necessarily anybody else? Yeah, I, I, I think our problem right now at the back is that I, I think I, I'm looking forward to seeing Godfrey play in position yeah. because I think when he has played, he's played out of position, but he's looked okay. But he's being the weak spot and against um, Fulham they'd done the same as what uh, Southampton done which was they just went for him and it was blatantly obvious and I think really Yerry Mina um, I remember coming on on here talking about Yerry Mina when he first signed and I was I wasn't convinced and then he started getting a little bit better but I don't think he's I don't think he's third uh, best uh, defender at the at the club at the moment, I think. Did Holgate make the bench? Yeah, I feel like he did, might yeah. have made the bench. So he might come back in. Um, but it's the, that right-back situation is uh, is our weak spot at the moment. And as I said before, and, and I've, said it, I've said it in previous uh, shows, is that the biggest thing for me at Everton at the moment is our lack of squad and the quality of our squad. And on, um, on Saturday... It, or Sunday it was, wasn't it? I think a better squad, a better club, a better team with better players will have killed that game with their subs. They'd have come, brought the subs on and that's it, game over. We don't have the quality of bench that we need to be able to finish games off. And that's where we're going to fall down. So for me, it's about taking Godfrey out of that position when we can. Um, even if it's using Godfrey in the yeah. middle uh, instead of Gary Mina, but it's having that cover up that on that right hand side. So I don't even know what the situation is with Seamus Coleman, but that's going to be our weak spot, and that is where leads are going to go at us. Where's hmm. Kenny at, just quickly as well? He was on the he bench, wasn't he, at the weekend? But yeah, so I think it's becoming clearer and clearer the manager just isn't totally fancy. sold on him, yeah. Yeah. But like you said, with Godfrey as well, I feel sorry for the lad being played out of position. But again, it was a penalty conceded on the weekend and it's we're just being exploited there, aren't we? So hopefully we can uh, we can pull a pull a defence together. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the, the the other thing that, that worries me, Dave, about about this on, on Saturday, not you know, aside from just the defence being a little bit iffy at the moment, well, a lot iffy actually, not not a little bit. Is just the intensity that Leeds play with. And I think there's there's been times this season where we've looked good and aggressive, you know, go back to the, the first minute of the game at the weekend, they're on it straight away, aren't they? Winning the ball back high and he scored a goal. But there's been spells in matches, maybe 20, 30 minute spells where we've just let the game lag and not played anywhere near intense enough. And I think the the concern is that if you're playing against a side like Leeds, that they 
they just don't take the foot off that that accelerator pedal, do they? And they will they will run you all game, they'll be in your face all game, and they'll be aggressive all game. And if Everton aren't on it for a certain spell, that football match, then Leeds have probably got the, maybe not necessarily the quality, but the, the physical tools to take the game away from Everton. Mate, it's exactly what I wrote down, is petrified and intensity. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. the, the, you make, the, you're making notes, it's very professional, aren't you, mate? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you don't even listen to me sometimes, so that's a, a nice little... Uh, Nice little boost. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I did, this, this game uh, is one when the fixture list come out. I was really interested in and, and really cautious about, to be honest, because I think <clears throat> you've got a side there that doesn't veer from its, its approach. You've got a manager that doesn't change things up in terms of the intensity they play. And he'll change system, he'll change shape, formation, all the other things that go with being a top manager, which Bielsa is. Um, where Leeds have come unstuck, I think, in the last few weeks is that when people have gone toe-to-toe with them with better quality players, they've come unstuck. So, for instance, they were beaten 4-1 by Leicester. They've been a revelation up until the humbling at Anfield. Um, you've got Palace, who, who've proven to be a formidable force so far this season. They could have gone yeah. above us. Palace just hit the them break. on the break all day because there's just so much space exactly. behind. Yeah. But th- that's what I'm talking about, is that if you can match their intensity, then I think generally most Premier League sides will have better quality players. It's all about the team working for each other uh, with Leeds. That brings me to us. And I don't. I simply don't think we can get anywhere near the intensity that they play with. Um, and that is why I think this game's a massive concern. Because, And it's one that I'm thankful no fans are there for, to be honest. Because if there were, if it was the Pat Goodison Park, you've got... 40,000 Bay and Evertonians wanting us to stay on the front foot for the bulk of the game. They want it to be a conventional home match where Everton take it to the opposition. I think that's the worst thing you can do to Leeds. Uh, I think we're going to have to sap up some possession in this game. Um, I'm really keen to see what Ancelotti brings to the party here. We know what Bielsa is going to do. It'll be a case of how Ancelotti reacts to this. I, I, I don't think we're going to win this game, I'll be honest. I know, I know People might scoff at that and say it's typical me being negative about it, but I just look at the way both of these teams line up and how stagnant, how sort of um, really lethargic our approaches are a lot of the time. First half against Fulham was fine, um, and we did attack with purpose. We did attack with intensity, and we fizzed the ball around really quickly. It's almost like an old adage. You get taught when you're a kid and you start playing football is you let the ball do the running for you. We need to do a hell of a lot more than of that, in my opinion, because we don't have players that are quick. We have maybe two or three max who can get up to speed um, with some of the quick boys in the Premier League. But other than that, we're generally looking over our shoulder at the defensive line that we've got and really thinking, do we need to drop deeper? Because we're playing generally against quicker opponents. And that's what scares me here. Le- Leeds have a lot of quick players. Um, they're relentless as we've seen in the Championship and so far in the Premier League you don't know what you're going to get from them in terms of quality I agree with you Matt I think you've got players like Bamford who will score goals all day long but that's purely through the weight of chances they create rather than him being one of the top marksmen in the league because we know his trade we know what he's about he's been in the Premier League failed to a certain degree and then re-established himself in the Championship you've got a lot of players like that Um, Everton are going to have to be really streetwise here they're going to have to, I think, few tactical fouls maybe when Leeds are on the front foot, really running at our defence. Um, 
I, I can't see how Everton get anything from the game if the centre-back pairing involves Keane and Mina. I think you have to involve Godfrey as one of the two or, or Mason Holgate. You have to box clever against the side that will really punish you if you don't retain the ball. When we're in possession, fine. Slow it down a little bit if you want to. But in terms of when we defend without the ball, the way we're going to have to do is going to be more than we've done in any match in, in recent times, I think. So really, you know, massive warning sign against this lead side. But, um, you know, you have to put your faith in the manager and see what tactical master plan he can come up with. Yeah, going to be fascinating. Uh, we are out of time this week, though. Uh, we'll preview that game a little bit more later on in the week on YouTube with What's the Score with me and Les. Also, I'll be speaking to Phil Hay from The Athletic tomorrow over on Blue Room Extra for a more detailed preview of what we can expect from Leeds. Uh, do us a favour as well. If you're listening to this, give us a rating on iTunes and a nice comment as well. And do check out the Fan Support and Food Bank's uh, links below as well just to find out a bit more about them and how you can get involved but that has been your weekly show thanks very much to Jake Sarah Dave Downey and of course to Dave Kelly as well I really appreciate his time and congratulations to him and everybody involved in Fan Support and Food Banks again for that award we'll be back again next week hoping to reflect on a big win against Leeds United when you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, King Supers Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the King Supers app and start your cart, whatever the cart. King Supers, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at kingsupers.com boost. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.